Hello and welcome to another episode of the Broadband Bunch. My name is Pete Pizzatello and I'm joined today uh, by Ben Edmond. He's the CEO and founder of ConnectBase. Hey Ben, thanks for joining us today. It is absolutely my pleasure. Yeah, I'm glad you took the time out. I know you've been uh, out and about and you do a lot of speaking and uh, you know, we're going to dig in a little bit about what you're passionate about and what you're seeing in the marketplace. But before we get into that, you've spent some time in the market. Um, maybe just help us understand how you ended up here today running ConnectBase. Well, it's been a, uh, a fascinating journey over the last uh, really 25 years of navigating through the connectivity market. Uh, yeah, I got the, uh, the privilege to start day one out of my undergrad career in the connectivity industry with MCI and, and really never left the industry. Um, had four unique experiences. Uh, big company MCI is a challenger position focused on long distance, as you probably remember from uh, way back then. Went to a competitive uh, uh, CLEC, they called them at the times, in the late 90s, and uh, and really had a transformational experience there. Uh, moved around from leading sales organizations to uh, running the marketing organization at a company called Expedius that we eventually sold to TW Telecom and used a combination of, you know, asset light strategies to serve the the B2B market. You know, spent eight years there, uh, really went through the dot-com bubble burst and uh, came out the other side with a lot of good lessons and good outcomes, but uh, but a lot of work uh, to get there. Went to Fiberlight, uh, which was a, a fascinating experience for uh, about six years, focused on building big fiber infrastructures to support a lot of what we're talking about today, whether it's uh, wireless data centers, other service providers, and uh, learned about that fiber build process in immense amount of detail and rounded out my career at uh, Global Capacity, really focused on buying network from other people and the, the complicated process that that was and very manual process and uh, shaped my uh, my experience. You know, we ended up acquiring a, a DSL broadband provider called COVAD, um, if you remember that name from Megapath, uh, while I was at uh, Global Capacity. And in those experiences, building big fiber infrastructure, operating with the LEX, being a big carrier and, and buying, all formed some really fundamental opinions that I had uh, around location truth and the need to really understand and help understand who owns the assets, what's the right assets to make the best possible decision to buy or sell connectivity. Yeah, and no, I appreciate that. That was, <clears throat> there's a lot to unpack there. Well, one, this is, you know, I'm a software guy. I've been in software for 25, 30 years. So you make this transition from an infrastructure network guy to starting a software company, right? I mean, in, I, I, I'm amazed at this industry. I've only been in for a handful of years, but it seems like software is an afterthought in a lot of cases. So what made you to go from, I care about network and infrastructure and understanding that stuff to, man, there's some software that needs to help these people. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And it's really, you know, you can take lessons learned from lots of industries, uh, you know, software e eating the world and, uh, and transforming how things get done. I, at the heart, I'm a data nerd, you know, and to unpack the value of data, you need to embed it into, 
you know, workflow and automation to drive insight and the outcomes you're looking for. And the software, you know, built for the connectivity industry just wasn't there, especially in the upfront process of buying or selling something. So I knew there was an opportunity from living inside the business, uh, having to manually piece things together using disparate systems or not having a system at all and uh, and having to overcome that. And I wanted to solve that, not just for myself, I wanted to solve it for the industry and really bring something that elevates value, growth, and, uh, and customer experience to a connectivity industry that I've been part of, you know, really my entire career. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think <clears throat> the data nerd comment is 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 a good one and that, and you know i i'm wondering about the maturity of this market you know there's it's a big market obviously and there's you know the uh, higher tiers uh, you know the bigger guys i think have the um resources and mentality to really understand how data can really improve their lives and you know efficiency and profitability do you see the data awareness, the understanding that we need to understand that or get our hands around data coming downstream in some of the smaller markets? I do. It's it's really a pretty fascinating past, uh, call it uh, two years. I think uh, the, the COVID uh, pandemic has really started people on that journey up and down the size of business. And to your point, it's a huge industry. You know, we track uh, just over 11,000 physical operators that fundamentally own something around the world. You know, we don't do business with all of them, but but we recognize it's an extraordinarily fragmented and differentiated market. And what we're seeing is, you know, big, medium and small companies really embracing the, the role data plays in making decisions. Um, but also the role data plays in informing what the right workflow should look like. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I saw a term recently or a phrase that I thought was interesting because I feel like as much as we understand in this business that the, the, the network is an innovation platform, right? That we, if you have this capability and it's ubiquitous and it's uh, reliable and, it, and it's um, providing capacity, what you can do on it is limitless, right? It creates yeah. all this infinite possibilities. But I would say the same is true for software, right? And that's what drives me crazy is, like you said, there, it, it, there's a certain complexity, pain, and pace point where people say, what, what we're doing today just ain't working, right? And so I, it's just if we can get everything on a single system and that data, that, you know, people talk about AI and machine learning and all this other higher order stuff, but that's only possible if you have the data in under control. Only possible if it's under control. You can go out and spend amazing amounts of money, energy, and time on amazing thought processes around AI to build next generation. But if the raw ingredients of the data is not where it needs to be, or it's in disparate systems not feeding into that AI, you're going to get bad outcomes. You know, garbage in, garbage out, however you want to call it. But getting that system of truth from whatever perspective you're you're looking at is really vital and having it in an integrated way that keeps it curated. So the person coming in to make the decision to enable the workflow gets the best outcome. It's really powerful. You know, and it's obviously not spread throughout every single system and every single company um, yet, but uh, but there's enough awareness 
I think, up and down the industry to say, hey, data matters and this software thing, it, it is not just a thing. It is really critical to enable growth, profitability, and a customer experience that's going to allow us to unlock that potential. Amen. So let's go back to some of the challenges you saw coming up through the ranks um, from the seller side. So you get out of the infrastructure, you're going through this network infrastructure career, you see some gaps. From the seller side, what is, what is it that really was compelling? This is, hey, that's a, that's a challenge that I think we can solve using data and software. Yeah, a couple, couple you know, stand out. So one is um, understanding where you should spend your time. In a capital-intensive, competitive market where you cannot make every single decision an equal decision, you have to pick purpose and choice. The, the data and the systems weren't aligned to making that choice of where I should go spend my time and money building, prospecting, and attacking opportunities. And, you know, I believe with alignment of data and software, that decision process gets better. And I'll pick a, a just a simple example. I'm in Westboro, Massachusetts, and Westboro, Massachusetts has local businesses, has national businesses, um, all kinds of different things. Some of them are single location entities. Some of them are multiple location entities, obviously residential as well. If you're coming in as a network operator and you physically own assets only in Westboro, what's the likelihood that you're going to sell the Starbucks or the Chipotle on the street? Probably not. But ultimately, people are making those decisions based on what's in front of them versus the totality of the decision, looking at other locations, looking at where the decisions made, looking at the competitive context. All those things are made better when you put real-time data in the decision process and make that insight available so people can automate it, but act upon the uh, the outcome. And uh, and that's exactly what we've been trying to solve for, challenges like that or the quoting process. When the largest companies in the world that operate in our space still only own single digit percentages of the actual assets, you know, what to buy is not a simple decision. You know, you need to understand it at a location level to make the best decision. And when you're talking about billions of data points, you know, you can't do that on spreadsheets. You need a system or record to understand it. So, you know, often the frustration I have is how fast this market moves. And, you know, people point to that it is capital intensive and there's infrastructure. But I, f I feel like underlying that is the old way or the maybe the existing way, spreadsheet driven, gut feel, those types of things have caused some type of inertia, you know, where people are just you know, you know, there's cycles in careers, which actually affect kind of company cycles, right? People are like, ah, let's not make that decision because I'm going to retire in a couple of years or two years from now or sure. waiting for that next new president to kind of go. I mean, did you see any of that kind of happening? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and it's a it's a process, you know, one that you have to, I think, ultimately be relentless on an education based approach rather than trying to sell people on your point of view shine a light on the outcomes that they're trying to achieve. I mean, who doesn't want to elevate the customer experience? Who doesn't want to be more efficient in their capital? Who doesn't want to be at a higher growth rate than they are today? And start unpacking, you know, what is holding them back from achieving those things? You know, as a small broadband provider, 
you know, if you're out there in that Westboro, Massachusetts market, and that's all you have, you know, keeping your assets in a sealed container, not sharing them with the wholesale community means the Chipotles and the, and the Starbucks are not going to go on your network. They might be the right assets because you might have the best asset. But if you're not embracing APIs and automation across an ecosystem, you're not going to participate. Having that conversation without, you know, educating people through the process is really, really hard. And, you know, we've had to, you know, by no means are we perfect at it, but, you know, focusing the the time and the energy to educate on why change is important and what outcomes you can achieve are definitely, you know, resonating out there. We have rural LEX, small cable co's, broadband providers, competitive fiber providers, the biggest carriers in the world as customers now. And 10 years ago, I'd be shocked if that was possible. Well, that that's leads to my next question. So why now, right? I mean, what, what do you see is different, say, six, five years ago before, you know, when you were early days of starting it to today, what What's changing on the market and technology that that is helping make your life easier or making <laughs> making it more compelling for people to do something different? I, I think there's you know one we've we have initial base of success that uh, you know is a fundamental proof point that hey we're right we're doing something that matters you know we have 268 providers on our platform managing over 1.5 billion locations you know there's a it's not a idea that's pretty cool it's there's real proof points that it matters i think secondly though and more importantly is there's a fundamental shift in understanding that you know people need to participate in a new way it's really driven by the digital economy not from within our industry you know if you look at the cloud providers and their equity values versus cable co's and telcos you know the lion's share of value creation around the digital world has not gone to the owners of the network it's gone to the owners of the stack above and i think there's a there's a really you know, deep understanding of that reality and people needing to not just find ways to create value for themselves, but align to how life is with content, how applications are sitting in the cloud, how data and compute is in a data center somewhere else, not on the machine that the person's using. And connectivity enables all that, but, but the connectivity providers are starting to evolve and learn ways of participating in the value stream better. And we help that. Yeah, I think that's that's a really great observation. Um, also, I, you know, I, I'm wondering, is there non-traditional competition than there were, you know, 10 years ago, right? There seems Absolutely. to be, yeah, people coming in, which is, you know, innovation, uh, business model challenges, technical innovations there. I mean, so people can't keep doing the way, doing things the way they were doing them. When you own assets for the last 40 years and you are the only provider and somebody comes in and builds a new fiber network to connect all the towers or all the schools together, and now you have competition, it makes you step back and think. Yeah. Um, we've been talking to um, Ben Emmett of the uh, Connect Base. He's the CEO and founder about some of the uh, his background and challenges that he saw to start uh, Connect Base. Um, Continuing on that conversation, I mean, you've mentioned a couple things around uh, CPQ, the configure price and quote, and that, you know that terminology, that kind of um, process has been around for a long time. But you guys have taken, I think, a, a different approach, right? And you're including some 
uh, a different layer of information. Maybe you can help us understand, uh, you know, what that, how you, th- how you guys are thought differently than the traditional CPQ um, tool sets and process. Yeah, it's a, I appreciate the question because at the heart of what we're doing when you're buying and selling something, that quoting process is the core workflow. That's the cornerstone of how our software manifests into value. You know, you go and start an opportunity, you need to put economics to it, you need to deliver it to the person buying, or you need to receive it as the buyer. And so that's fundamentally, you know, configure price quotes been around for a while. We do, you know, two things that I think are really important that separate us and make us look uh, different. One is we inject data at every step uh, to really conform to maximizing success in this industry. So if you think about ground truth that I said before is location, you want to get that right. You really want to be rigorous in your process to uh, get location and location intelligence set up even before you say, I want to price something. So we do a lot of energy around and a lot of you know intelligence embedded into the workflow of configure price quote around injecting data, including that location truth. And secondly, we've built the processes for how the industry works and not just a set of widgets that are pieced together as a generic thing across lots of industries. But if you think about connectivity, it's not a simple industry. You know, there's complexity there that starts from a location, but as an intertwined, you know, set of connections that may or may not be controlled by one entity. You might have disparate pieces in your network, including SD-WAN layers and broadband layers and multiple different providers, all coming together to make an output of this is my network. And our CPQ engine understands that and uh, and participates in that process to get to the optimal results and you know why we're winning out there. Yeah, I can imagine there's a lot of value of having those layers of information. Um, how does that help individual organizations see the ecosystem around them, right? I mean, does, do they have visibility into, you keep, you've mentioned competitors, but what about partners? I mean, there's a lot of non-traditional partnerships that are popping up now. Uh, uh, traditional and non-traditional. I think ultimately, um, if you look at uh, success in the digital world, you know, each provider should be thinking about building their own ecosystem and shaping it as part of their competitive advantage. And we help shine a light on that. To your point, it's not just about competition. It's about setting yourself up for success in a connected world. And you want to understand how the partners can extend your reach, how they can bring you into the right data fabrics, how you can interconnect into where the traffic is from cloud and wireless and other things and participate fully, but then also insert the data to optimize that journey in selling something or buying something that's going to make you more successful and profitable. So we made a lot of progress in the last five years, at least um, in this space. I mean, looking ahead another five years, what are you excited to see us get to and, and how do you think we're going to get there? Oh, I'm I'm super bullish and excited. I think there is this, you know, just uh, a, a huge push forward to the digital world that is reality. Um, our jobs are changing. Our, you know, look at younger generations and how they work, how they go to school, how they live. You know, fundamentally, the the fabric of content, compute, and network is 
interwoven in everything. When I see Otis Elevator out there with an edge strategy, you know, I know the world has changed. You know, it, it's it's pretty amazing. And I think the data observations to optimize um, just continuing to get smarter and more uh, purposeful in their steps. And it becomes interwoven into how we drive to work, how we order food, how we live and, uh, and exchange content, how we learn and how work gets done, not just in a traditional office like I am now, but the reality of uh, work from home and, and other things in the market, you know, that's just going to continue. Yeah, we were having this conversation on another call about <clears throat> kind of like the term fabric is a good one, right? Because yeah. I, there's other utilities that are so in the fabric, we don't even notice them, like water electricity right absolutely you know and one of the challenges the question was what do you pay for a thousand gallons of water a a month to come to your home you know and you're like no you just turn on water and you use it but it's there but you know we're still having those conversations around capacity and acceptable capacity well you know i can pay for a gig or and i think once we get that in a true fabric sense where it's flowing and you pay per use right but it's kind of um, the pipe is as big as possible. Then all the applications become way more um, practical. Does that make sense? It does, and it's coming. I mean, the, that world of this, you know, fluid consumption of what you need when you need it, whatever that is, is a reality. And the economic model to me is is absolutely going to shift. And it's an opportunity. It's not a competitive. Uh, thing to try to keep away from. It is an opportunity to create value, uh, which should excite the uh, the broadband providers, the connectivity providers overall, because it's fundamentally important to delivering the digital you know, economy above the stack. Yeah, 100% agree. It's going to be really interesting to watch this industry kind of swallow that pill for some people that are still holding on to the way things are or were. And there's, but there's a lot of really interesting innovation coming into the space for folks that are ready for that kind of next step, you know. Um, now it's a great vision, right? We'd love to get there. What what do you see as kind of impediments to us getting there? Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that's uh, an impediment of getting there is the lack of integrated systems in the stack for the broadband providers, a lack of transparency and data driven you know, decision-making that, that is coming, but it's not fully embedded into the fabric of, you know, the, the network providers, you know, people still are, are often also thinking of their own network and their own processes rather than existing in this, you know, interconnected fabric. And I think the, uh, the exposure of APIs, you know, the embracing of standards, the integration across partners, is a super important step forward to achieving that goal as an industry. Yeah, but I think behavior follows the money, right? I mean, so that that's what I see is there are folks that it's the business models that need to be as challenged as much as the innovation models, right? So when people figure out, I think people are struggling, people, organizations are struggling to figure out how to monetize those future relationships, partnerships, ecosystems. I mean, are, do you see anybody thinking differently and on, on, on trying to figure out how to grow the pie rather than hold on to it? Yeah, no, I, I do. I think there's you know some really interesting examples. And if you look at, you know, our 
base of customers, you know, while people are paying us and I'm clearly a, a for-profit business and uh, happy to be so, you know, they're, they're coming in and recognizing that we are a profit center. We're not an expense. And that's a different way of looking at, you know, software investments and data investments, you know, ultimately because of it's a connected ecosystem and you can participate in channel flow and wholesale flow and embrace different uh, ways of doing business. It's about revenue growth and profitability growth, not an expense reduction, if that makes sense. Totally does. And, and it's funny because I, you know, I came from a financial services background uh, to this market and this kind of digital transformation happened 15 years ago, right? And I, you know, and now everybody talks about Bitcoin and, you know, um, blockchain and all that stuff. I mean, a lot of that stuff would not be possible if this disruption didn't happen in that industry, right? And people were forced to think different, build, you know, um, alliances that they never thought they would have before, figure out how to monetize differently. So I'm excited for this opportunity to kind of see how things shake out, um, you know, it'd be really interesting if we have that kind of extreme of this whole alternative world that comes out of this moment. I think we're going to get there uh, faster than most people realize. That'd be nice. Um, so you had this crazy career <laughs> bouncing around, decided to be an entrepreneur, start a software company. Uh, if you could go back at the start of your career, uh, you know, it's a question we ask a lot of people. What would you tell young Ben? I would uh, I would tell young Ben to uh, to go into a product role faster, okay. and start my own company sooner than I did. You know, both experiences shaped who I am, and uh, and I you know fully embrace and love that I made both those decisions. I had a really successful sales and sales leadership career, but the moment I went into product management and started thinking about how things are built, how to make money, what competitive context in, it shaped my perspective from there. And, and you know, not too soon after, I realized that you know I could start something and impact an industry. Interesting. So trust your instincts, but trust them faster. Yeah, trust them faster. You know, it took uh, took obviously a number of years, which you know were good years, but, uh, yeah. but ultimately, you know, I think there was opportunity to add value along the career in lots of different ways, uh, not just the traditional path that I took. So, for all those entrepreneurs listening, Ben says, "Quit your job and get going." Damn it! <laughs> lots of people are, and uh, I fully embrace the fact that I did it and having fun building a company. That's awesome. Um, so, all right, Ben, thanks. I really enjoyed it. How can um, our listeners learn more about you and ConnectBase? Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to visit our website. It's uh, connectbase.com, C-O-N-N-E-C-T-B-A-S-E.com. Uh, come learn more about the company, our offerings, what we're trying to achieve, and uh, you know, by all means, reach out anytime. Great. And this is going to wrap up this episode of the uh, Broadband Bunch and our discussion with Ben Edmonds. Uh, if you've made it this far, you're probably into all things broadband like we are. So if you get a chance, check out our site at broadbandbunch.com. We have weekly episodes, resources, and hopefully you get a chance to share your own story. Uh, ben, I really appreciate the time. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.